It's the Jesus and Paula Show. Starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Tune in as we learn the mind of Christ and thoughts of God. And good evening, Jesus and Paula Show world. Welcome to this week's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show, starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. And the revelation that will roll forth from eternity to the now that will hit us square between the eyes. I still feel dazed and confused from Sunday service. And if you watch Sunday service, then you too might be a little lightheaded in uh, the reality of where we are, where we're not, and how we can get there and what we need to do to get there. And so I want to let you know, because we're on our soul track and road to deliverance, road to healing and restoration. And so uh, this weekend's special is taking 10% off of soul rehabilitation coaching and advisement. We are soul rehab coaches and advisors in Prophetic Ed and offer that as one-on-one service. Now, why do you need one-on-one advisement when, hey, I just need somebody to lay hands on me. I mean, isn't that kind of how we think about deliverance is I just need somebody, the most powerful person in the room to lay hands on me and I'm going to be good. Well, you might need a strong mantle to get some things out of you, but to rehabilitate your life takes work and partnership with a professional. If somebody has been injured, they have the best doctor do their surgery, but guess what they need? Rehab. They have to rehabilitate that where that injured place is. It could be a, a physical one. Um, there are some injuries that you have. You have to learn how to speak again. You have to learn your motor skills again, and you need professionals to help you rehabilitate your life and not stop at the point of extraction but continuing to the point of rebuilding and restructuring, especially if your life was a hot mess and you have to learn how to get it out of a mess and keep it out of a mess. I mean, seriously, because if it was your decisions that got you there repeatedly, then you might need a a coach or an advisor or a therapist, depending on your level of need, to walk you into what you might have for the first time in your life, which is order. You might have peace for the first time in your life. How about this? Sometimes, am I the only one who wants to pick at sores that actually you shouldn't be picking at? And ignoring, overlooking, or not even recognizing the ones that are actually the biggest issue. You know how you see that big problem and you just walk away? It's like that room in the house that is out of control. You just keep closing the door, keep closing the door. And we do that. We keep closing the door in our soul. We keep closing the door on that issue. Whoop, that is just too much for me to handle. And this is why you have to bring in professional cleaners sometimes. You need somebody to come in who's the stronger man than not just you, but your mess. To come in, there's a witness in there. Listen, there are witnesses in the room this week, all right, last night, today. And you might need to bring in that professional company to come in and actually get everything under control, get put your pride to the side, recognize somebody is going to have to see your mess in order to clean it. 
You can't clean a mess if you can't see a mess. All right. And so you have them. But if they're real professionals, do you know what they don't do? They don't judge you. They don't say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it's like, hey, this is why we're here to help people who cannot help themselves for whatever reason. It might be a soul issue. It might be a schedule issue. I know plenty of people, myself included, who, when I have downtime, don't want to spend it all cleaning. I mean, hello, what kind of downtime is that? It's not downtime. You're just working from home, on home. And so those professional cleaners have to come in and see your mess and get to work, clean it, get a grip on it, and then you maintain, ideally, what they do. So even when the next time that they have to come and clean, it is not the same kind of catastrophe as it may have been in the beginning. Because there's the maintenance plan. And so advisors, we as advisors and coaches are here to, yes, see your mess. We're going to see it. We all have mess that has to be cleaned up at some point. We have on our hazmat suits. We're going into the soul. It might be a little crazy in here, but we're going to do it. <laughs> and it takes a real point of humility on your part to have an advisor. Because you are entrusting to somebody all those things that you don't even want to see yourself, much less have somebody else take a look at and then have to examine and pick apart and work through time and time and time and time again. And in the beginning, it is rough. It is hard. I had a client. She cried every advisement for probably three years. Two solid years because that's how much brokenness was in there. And then she turned a corner, a major corner, and wasn't crying anymore. And there was a lot of laughter and a lot of joy, but she had to stick to it. I said, I'm so proud of you. I said, do you realize you're not crying anymore <laughs> every time we talk about something? Because God has rebuilt your soul from the inside out. And now you can even handle the reality of your past without it crushing you, without it crumbling you. Without it taking you out, you can think about those things. You can talk about your home. You can talk about your parents. You can talk about abusive relationships. And it is clearly archived in your past and not haunting you from your past. Sometimes you need an advisor to help you archive that mess, log it, put it away over here. And that's where it's going to stay. So it's not about forgetting. You, you can't forget. And, and really, do you want to? I mean, some things you do want to, but the wisdom that comes from it. The strength that you have gained from it. Sometimes you look at a horrible season in your life and you can look at it now and say, ah, but I conquered that. It didn't conquer me. I came back from that. I, I lost it for a season or decade <laughs> or two, whatever. And now I've re regained my life. I've recovered my life. I've taken ownership of my life. And so soul healing and deliverance is not even just about loosing yourself from addictions, but it is about rebuilding yourself. We, we help people reconstruct prophet Angela's in the room. We help people reconstruct their lives. That takes time. It takes work. It takes usually tears. You go through, it's almost like the, uh, the phases of grief that they have outlined, you know, they, the psychologists have outlined, but you do, I think in the beginning, first you're in shock that that's really who you are and it's really where you're not. And then you're angry. You can go through a whole season of just being mad 
mad, mad at yourself, mad at other people, mad at what you allowed to have happen in your life, mad that you let it go on that long before you did something about it. Just angry. You don't want to look at yourself in the mirror. You don't want to pull yourself together. You don't want to do your hair. That's why it's good to just buy some. Don't want to put your face on, don't want to put on the nice shoes and you just kind of mope around and and do all these kind of things going through that phase and, and, and even like a death to your old self, a death to your life, a death to your ego, ego, Woo! because especially when you get all high and mighty and you don't realize you're being high and mighty until you get into these advisements with you, God and your advisor. And it's just like whack, whack, whack. Whack. And you're like, no, I want to blame my parents. No, I want to blame my spouse. No, I want to blame the bullies in school. No, no, no. And then the Lord is like, oh, but it is thee. At this point, it's you. You haven't seen some of these people in decades. Still blaming them. Haven't talked to, haven't even talked to. Some of these people aren't even alive anymore. Yet we still give them the onus and the responsibility for the dysfunction of our lives. And so uh, the advisement process is really essential. I want to encourage you to do it. And even if you are on advisements, to even take them more seriously if you're not. Get back on schedule. Get back on track or sign up with us for the first time and find out. Take us out for a test drive. See how it goes. I, I mean, it's wonderful to hear people in shock after the first session. At Sometimes God will drop that one nugget of wisdom. In Dr. Price's first 3D book, because now she's working on 3D2, in 3D1, she talks about the truth in the beginning. The truth, there's a particular truth that will make you free. And on these calls, sometimes he's going to drop that one truth that just begins to implode in a good way on the inside of you in mushroom. And all of a sudden, it's like you need to get off the phone and go think and pray and talk and cry and, re and rethink a lot of things and realize this is the piece of information that I was missing. So do that. Sign up for advisements. And listen, don't be that person who always blames your advisor. You're perpetuating the problem. You understand? Bl constantly blaming other people for your lack of success is not taking responsibility. How do you know? Because there will be thousands of people in your same predicament with different outcomes. How many people were raised impoverished? How many people were abused? How many people had injuries and illnesses that had them locked into a bed and still produce something different with their life? How many people were bullied and chose to do something else? So now that's not a, a statement of condemnation. That's actually a statement of encouragement to let you know if you can only see your life playing out one way, that there are other people who have been through that who have had a different outcome. So maybe you can too, if you do something differently. Oh Lord, I tell you, the Lord is in it and he is out to liberate his church. And I know he's coming after the congregation of the mighty in a good way to clean us out and scrub us out because he has need of us as the mighty ones and the mighty people that he's bringing now bringing into our house and continuing to bring you all are mighty ones that he brought in. And now the wave that's coming in, we have to be ready for the floodgates. All right. The other thing that we're rolling out today, by the end of today, introducing and really reintroducing, depending on how long you've been around, astrology, a most dangerous, curious art. In 2011, Dr. Price taught this in church. And so this is from her archive footage. 
So it looks like it's archive. Okay. 2011 tech isn't what it is now that you can have on your own. Even the cell phone now produces something better than it did then. So it's from 2011. Please don't write me and tell me the footage is grainy. I know that's why the note at the front says that it's from the archive footage. Please don't tell me that the graphics are dated because they are from over a decade ago. We already know. That's why the disclaimer is at the beginning, even of the training. This is video on demand. So you can pay for this, have five days of access to get your training. If you are a prophet, if you are an apostle, you have got to get this and watch it and do your homework and study it. This is now she taught this in 2011. And look at the mess we're in right now. 2011. Talk about ahead of the curve. You cannot be an apostle or a prophet and be chasing the news. You can't be chasing the media. You have got to be the one years ahead, which is why these offices can be so painful because you are announcing or teaching or preaching on something that is yet to be manifest, yet to be revealed. And people oftentimes don't want to hear it. What are you talking about that astrology? Dr. Price, nobody at, at that time, nobody was speaking about that in the pulpit. You are, that's not the place for that. We don't have to, we don't teach on the demonics on those things. She runs through so many scripture dealing with this subject matter and breaks it down. Astrology, a most dangerous, curious art. I just even love the title. And I remember at that time, how many people were clamoring to get it. We sold it. They could download it, watch it, listen to it, and talked about how much it really helped them in their preparation. Are you equipped to deal with this present age of demonics? Do you recognize astrology at work? And I'm not talking about somebody sitting in front of you with some tarot cards. Do you recognize it in these television shows? Do you recognize this new age mess in music? Do you Can you pick it up in Christian music? Can you pick it up in some of the most contemporary things that are out there in the kingdom of God? It's a question we have got to be equipped. Constructing the contemporary prophet, prophetic standards, protocols, performance gauges is also still available. Video on demand training. I see you all who have been registering for those as well. And those are uh, their various prices. So you just need to go to Dr. Paula Price Power Train and see the classes that we have lined up, the things that we're continuing to roll out. Later on in today's broadcast, we're going to play a two-minute clip of for you from when Dr. Price spoke about success is not racist. She's taught at, yes, there's some chuckles in the room because see, Halle, again, not, not blaming, not blaming. Nobody is saying opposition isn't real. Nobody is saying that uh, hatred isn't real. Racism isn't real. Nobody's saying that at all. Obviously it is. But what we're saying is, and what she says so eloquently, she was speaking to a college group, an African-American club in one of our Tulsa schools here in college, and she breaks it down. We just pulled about two minutes out of it, and it is powerful. Oh, it is powerful. But she says, please, when you get to a certain level, all they care about is the color of money. Green is the only that what it, what did you produce and how is it going to help us and how can we all benefit? That is that everybody has opposition. 
Not everybody's opposition is the same. We're not even saying that it is, but everybody has opposition and that cannot be the reason that we stop pursuing the greatness that is on the inside of us. I said last night to reiterate Dr. Price on Sunday, talking about how your, our money is locked up in the vault of our fear. I still had to stop. It still got me. And it's like, oh, because fear can masquerade itself as wisdom. It can sound like wisdom. It can, you know, this might not be the best season for you. Well, you you have to watch your finance. You have to watch your money. You have to watch your time. Well, you have to remember the last time that you did this. And so you have to differentiate between when fear is masquerading as wisdom and when wisdom is actually speaking. Because the two can be intertwined together. Last week and last week's broadcast, I tell you what, did she go there? She always goes there. I don't even know why this is a question. The Soul Clinic, the human will machine. She talked about the human will. All of this is tied to the soul. Our human will is probably the singular most deciding factor on whether we are successful or not. How many people have we seen? And I watch a lot of documentaries on successful people. A lot. I try and watch at least one every single week. Because all these networks, you know, if you have Prime, Netflix, and they all, Hulu, all of them have documentary places. Now, some of them you have to pray up because the language on these things are for real. With some you do. But you know what, though? We have got to learn. We have got to learn. All right. We have to. And I'm so, there are some things where I'm like, I'm not going to be running from something and miss the wisdom as an apostle because of that. And so now I'm not going to be entertained by that mess. But I tell you what, sometimes we're going to be sitting in circles. And Dr. Price did private trainings with us as the executive leaders sitting in private circles, people dropping all kinds of language. And you can't blink. How many of you work in jobs with that level of and you just, okay, I'm going to take my Holy Ghost shower, decontaminate. Afterwards, and some of these things, I say, I have to come back to you later. And others, I'm like, I need to watch you now. And I watch these documentaries with these people. Every last one of them have had tremendous opposition. I mean, legal opposition, uh, media, lies, defamation of character, people ripping off their money, stealing their ideas, setting them back five years, 10 years, 20 years. But see, if you don't watch their stories, you really think, well, it's easy for them. That's why they got big and stayed big. Well, it's easy for them. Making money is easy for them. That's why they're wealthy. I mean, how many of us have ever really even not even realized that you're thinking that because somebody has achieved something, it's because it's easier for them than it is for us, than it is for me. Well, yeah, I mean, they should be a number one singer. They have the best voice, so it's easier for them. It's, are you kidding me? No. And behind every story is almost always, no, I would say always. A lifetime of pain, agony, suffering, tremendous loss at the point of every breakthrough, tremendous loss, somebody close to them dying, tragedy, striking their life, striking their health, them having major crises as well, people close to them. And behind the scenes of their greatest moment is oftentimes their greatest sorrow. But if you don't watch those things, 
you will operate in a world of fantasy and not even realize it. We read our scripture according to fantasy. David, hello, Joseph. If we played that out in real life today, what kind of story would that be? On the big screen, Jesus Christ, pick, pick somebody, anybody who has gone down as a legend in the continuum of our faith. The re Hebrews, the Hall of Faith, all of those people, crazy. Come on, Abraham fighting five nations, a war with five nations, not five bullies in the back alley, five armies is what he had to fight. So even when we read our scripture, we really do have fantastical eyes when we look at it, don't we? Because that's not really real to us. Not really. It was so long ago at a time that was easier than ours is now. Wasn't, don't we say that it was easier back then? Well, it was easier then. How can it be easier then? Nothing was easier ever somewhere else. It just it just wasn't. And so it was easier for their, them there. It was different for them. And the more excuses that you make, the more you really do set yourself up to not succeed. Well, my life is this and theirs isn't. You don't know what's going on in people's lives when they're not in front of your face any more than they don't know what's going on with you. You can fill in gaps and make assumptions all day long. And you know what happens when you sit down and talk to somebody? You're in shock because what do you find out? I had no idea that's what you were doing when you weren't with me. Oh, I just I can't even tell you how many people always think that I'm at home in the bed. I think that's funny. Yeah. Oh, well, you're not here. Well, you must be asleep. If you're at home, you must be asleep. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> we're going to say cute, right, Chief? That's cute. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I know that you don't want to be bothered after a certain time. Well, not because I'm catching up on my beauty sleep, because I'm getting some things done. And at some point, you have to tell people enough is enough. I need to focus on building this thing here. How do you think we do all of this? Not by being in the bed by 9.15. Or 10.15, or 11.15, or 12.15 a.m. Okay? It, it is not. you. Sometimes we, we have to paint this stuff on here to cover up some things and to pull it together. You don't know what people are going through when you're not around. This is why it's important to pray for people. Because God will put the burden on you. But if you have judged somebody for what they are or are not doing, guess what you don't do? You don't pray. You don't see God. You don't ask him. Because you, in your mind, you've already mapped it out. You've already come to your conclusions. Which is why praying saints will come up to you and say, I'm praying for you. Thank you. I'm working through some things right now. I have more people from, not here, but, um, I mean, some here, but friends from not here reaching out. Hey, you doing okay? God dropped you in my spirit. I'm praying for you. Is everything all right? How you doing? I said, well, won't he do it? Because sometimes you don't even know what you're going through. But you just need an intercessor on the ball. Somebody to just pray. Don't even ask too many questions. Just pray. Just pray. Just, just in fact, don't ask questions if you, <laughs> other than you're all right. Just reach out and, and just pray and just say, I got you in the spirit realm. The Lord dropped you. Our chief apostle, totally in tune with her congregation. So-and-so, what's going on in their life? How is this and what happened? I don't know. I talked to them yesterday and they, mm -hmm. well, I'll tell you what, this is running and sooner than later, 
that shows up. But your human will must be delivered and set free in order for it not to run you into a ditch. She said last week, your heart has a logic system that is usually irrational. I'm going to ring the bell on the recap, okay? Your heart has a logic system that is usually irrational. Your mind is not the brain. The brain is the organic implement of the mind. So we have got to examine what is the logic system of my heart. And you can't measure yourself by yourself because that's how you get into trouble. This is why we recommend an advisor because you will evaluate yourself in a vacuum. Remember, it was your error in judgment that got you to where you are. So you working this out by yourself with you and Jesus probably isn't enough because I believe this probably what you said on your way to making these decisions, that it's you and Jesus. I don't need to preach. I don't need no profit in my business. I don't need an apostle telling me what to do. I don't need my parents, my friends, my whatever. Me and God got this. And where did you and God get you or you get you and your interpretation of what you think God might have said? So we advise you to have an advisor. She broke down the anatomy of the human will. She said maturity is fueled and triggered by what you say and is primary or your primary self. It turns it from technology to a methodology. Ooh, what are your, me your life methods? Again, you have to know the fruit. God, Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. And what are the methods that you continue to employ? Do they take you to the destination where you want to go? Or do they take you away from where you want to go? If you evaluate your fruit, that's really going to tell you. And then it's kind of hard to blame everybody else when you're looking at your fruit. She said, your, your will's wheel. Do you remember the will wheel last week? The human will machine. She said, your will turn on appetites, emotional sentiments, needs, survival, desire, and judgments. And what's the word that she said is in the middle of appetite? Pet. What is it? Pet. Listen, one, two people said it. Pet. Pet. We had somebody in our church way back in the day. She talked about petting your devils on your shoulder. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> just pet your devil. She said, that's it. You got your little devil riding on your shoulder, just petting your devil. That's how she talked. Just petting your devil everywhere you go, just keeping him happy. And I'm like, you know what? And, and 20 years later, we still remember petting your devil. And so you're at pet tights. What are you petting? What are you nursing? And she talked about how your backbone is how you make things happen. Make sure you get caught up. Make sure you revisit these. One time is never enough. That's like saying I went to the gym once in a week and I can't understand why I'm not hitting my physical goals. Well, because once is not enough. To the extent that you want to be delivered, that's how many times you go back. Well, not only how in shape do you want to become, but how quickly do you want to get there and how long do you want it to last? And let us not have the crash diet mentality of deliverance. I just want to do something radical and do something fast so I can just be free from this and not really do any of the work to maintain it. Because that's crash dieting. You do something that ultimately hurts you to have short-term victory 
at least the appearance of a short-term victory. And then the next time some people see you, they're like, we don't even recognize you. What happened? Because it was a crash diet. And let's not have crash deliverance. <laughs> That's why we're learning the Paula Price system. So we can learn the new methodology, the new system of how to do things, a new way of how to do things. Jesus. I know him. And do you know that he has a system? Many yes. of you all don't know that 3D is a systemic platform for soul restoration. So we all are on the same page. It's a systemic platform for soul restoration. Now, I, you know, in the book that I'm working on that you all have me working on, but I realized that I started out a year or so ago. That's why certain books should take time. You shouldn't rush them. You know, we are so the reason you get all of these fast books from people is because they're taking them from their sermons. But that doesn't mean that they're revisiting them. That doesn't mean that they're being refined. They may be edited. And a lot of times the books that you're reading weren't written by the author. They were ghostwritten. I don't ghostwrite. I write from my brain, from my spirit, from my soul. I said, Sunday, if you didn't get an opportunity, by the way, greetings in the name of Jesus. Tell everybody to get on board because I'm going to give you a soul map. And so um, I said Sunday, I do all of my work. I type it all again and again and again, if I must. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason that I do it is because the few times and when I started in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, different people would want to help me. And next thing I know, they have a book on what I have. Right. And so I just decided that I can trust me. I can trust the Holy Ghost. Every now and then I do have a team member. I think my daughter and uh, Chief Prophet Tala and uh, Apostle Ashley are probably the two people that get my mind the most and my writing the most. So I know that when I go home and be with the Lord, they will be the disciples that will take all of the stuff that you all have not yet, ever seen Lord. and turn it into something as if I'm still alive and you won't have to be stuck with all my reruns. <laughs> okay you have those two she says she wants to reruns um so the reason that i do it so i write it and the upside about doing your own work is that the holy ghost can continue to refine it he can unbottle it he can he can adapt it and then you also get to plug it into increasingly current situations so because to me i don't write terminally i don't write like this is the last time i'm going to handle this subject you know, I'm like Isaiah, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. So I write it and type it that way. And uh, and I encourage those of you who want to have your work constantly growing and constantly mushrooming to do that. And then you always will have a fresh word of God or a fresh word from God. So we've been on this journey um, for 3D. And one of the things that I want you to understand is 3D is a systemic platform for soul restoration. We talked about that a little bit. I'm going to say it again so that you're clear because that is what that's his title. That's his trademark. It's 3D is a systemic platform for soul restoration. And its uniqueness is that you learn about the soul and we treat the soul as the maker made it. See, God made the soul before hell, before sin. And our souls actually come from the soul of his son because Jesus Christ is the second member of the Godhead. So 
that's that means he's God's physical, portable, divisible, or distributable. I don't want to say divisible, distributable self. So 3D is a systemic platform. Now, if you look up the two words separately, and, and I discuss that at length in my book that I'm refining. Hallelujah. Um, boy, you know, God has a lot to say about the soul. I mean, you get him on the subject of the soul, that man won't shut up. He's like, I got, I'm probably got somebody who's going to say it for me. So look up the word systemic and you'll understand that part. Then you look up the word the platform. And when we think about it, if I want to make you understand platform very quickly, which I do, the word platform, just think about an agenda. Just think about a campaign. A campaign or campaigner has to have a platform. Think about a committee and, and, and its, its whole reason for existing. So when you are dealing with 3D, we're dealing with it from the 3Ds, decision, discovery, and deliverance for taking your soul from distress to success. Taking your soul from distress to success. Because most of us are in trouble because we are operating on a distressed soul. Not just stressed, distressed. Because certain stress is healthy. So we're operating on a distressed soul. And, we, we, and, and that distressed soul, the distressed part has been suppressed. Buried beneath all of your obligations. Buried beneath everything that you have to do. Everything that keeps flooding in on you. Whether or not you're ready to handle it or willing or should. Because when your soul is distressed, you make bad decisions because you have a flawed decision-making process. Because you're, when you're in distress, this is important, when your soul is in distress, 90% of what you do is based on survival. Surviving a situation, surviving an ordeal, surviving your, your dysfunctions, surviving your disturbances, all of that is based on your soul and your those are all kind of like the flour in your cookie and then you know you have a little sweetening we'll put a little vanilla flavoring in there or something we'll put a little of that in there some of you all like to put a little rum in and so you know just to get through in your cookie um you know some of you want to put you put a little too much sugar in much too much butter but all of those are just to get the flavor right so that you get through your day, you get through your week, you get through your year, you get through this, this ordeal. And then we have all of the things outside of life. Now, that's your soul's ecology. So we, and next week, we're going to dig into the soul's biosphere and its ecology because your soul creates in all its own sphere. And within that sphere, there are it's a hotbed of a whole bunch of things. So when you when you when we get to that, we'll discuss that a little bit. And but but the point I want you to get is that then you have the, your soul being planted into the biosphere of all of the other human race. And and so now what if now the magnets kicked in, the attractions kicked in, the the appeals kicked in, all of those things kick in the minute you get into the human sphere, which is why loners have a different experience as a human than the social ones because the loners is just me myself and i you know the psychologist calls it the introvert 
And so that's them. And then the, the social person is the external soul. That's the one that can't ever stay home, can't ever come home, and is always picking up because you're always picking up from others. And this neither one is exclusively or decisively wrong. But what you don't understand is that your soul as the maker made it was meant to remain in your control. Your soul is meant to be in your control, just like Jesus's soul is meant to be in his control. They tried everything under the sun to take this man out. And the only one that impacted and perverted his soul was God when God threw sin on him. When God threw sin on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, that is when his soul was breached. Up until that point, his soul had a seal that could not be breached by anything because his soul was 100% infused by his spirit, the spirit of his father. So when you think about 3D, 3D is not just about getting you off this and getting you out of that. 3D is about giving you the archetypical objective of your soul, which is you in total control. That's in control of your thoughts. That's in control of your feelings. That's in control of your likes, your dislikes, your appetites, your petty types. And so you, it's you being in control of your emotions, everything about you. God chooses to be when he's going to be angry. He, and he pre-decided that before he made us. He pre-decided what will trigger his ire, what will trigger his joy, which is why we misunderstand scripture. It is also why we misunderstand the Bible and why he wrote it, because that is God's predeterminations of what would bring life, what would bring death, what would cause him to bless, what would cause him to curse. God does all that. So we come and he, he deals with everything in our world preset. That is why you see so many words like predestination and preordination and preselection and all of those things, because God doesn't wait till life happens to react to it. We do. We wait till life happens to react to it. And then we want to implement all of these safeguards and all of these um, advantages or disadvantages, or we want to have the detriments going on or maybe retaliation. We want to do all of that in the heat of the ordeal, which is why you always feel like you're fumbling through life and free falling in the heat of the ordeal. But what if we were like him? That's why that's what 3D does. It teaches you your soul as the maker made it. God decided sin did not come into, into existence with God. God comes into existence alpha. He came into uh, holy him, all of him. Holy, H-O-L-Y, W-H-O-L, L-Y, two L's, right? Okay, I need, I need them to. If not, write it to me. Y'all going to write it anyhow. And so, and then holistically, see, holy, holistic comes from holy. That's why they're spelled so close alike. A lot of you all like to put that W on holistic. That's not right. That W doesn't go there. It starts with H, just for the record. And so 
but God brought himself, he, everything. I mean, the ability to die came into with him, the ability to live, the ability to get angry, the ability to make peace, the, all of that 100% so that no matter what could possibly come from his existence, he already predate, pre-selected it and prejudged it. He prejudged it so that his ability to die, he switched over to his ability to kill. He's like, I'm not dying. So, uh, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. Mm -mm. You know? And then his ability to, to live forever, he put it in a category called heal, cure, deliver, purge, cleanse. Because in God's world, it didn't come out as print on paper. It came out as beings. See, in his, in his makeup, everything is a being. Everything in his makeup is a being. God does not have dead concrete. He has living creatures or living entities or just simply life. And so the difference between the living and the life, one is a life giving, the other is life generating. In other words, it keeps itself going, but it's kind of like electricity. You plug it into a thing. Otherwise, you can't even see it. So when you think of how God handles his soul, remember when we um, I've said to you over and over again, the Bible handles the soul more, more than 500 times. And all but about 10% of those times, the soul and the body are spoken of as one, not synonyms, but a unit. That is how finitely they are fused together, which is why the Holy Spirit says in he, to, through Paul in Hebrews 4.12, God's word separates. Now, can you imagine his word can separate what? The soul from the spirit. Can you imagine? So this is how that looks, if you want to say it. So he begins to, you know, you're getting ready to leave here, you know, for whatever reason. And he tells the spirit, he and he because Job tells you how he does it. He inhales his spirit. So that spirit comes back. He inhales it and it leaves the body. And then he commands the soul or disposes of the soul. Because it said, far be it from the almighty, Elihu, far be it from the almighty to do wickedness if he should set his mind on it. So God says, I first remove the spirit because it is the spirit that gives life. So the first thing I do when I get ready to get you out of here is to remove your spirit. If I want to suppress you, I suppress or depress your spirit because it's the spirit that gives life. Isn't that wonderful? That's why we call this the clinic. See, this is, see people, See, people don't understand how this man works. And you cannot be God's master, teacher, leader, whatever, without the wisdom of how he is and does what he does. Because we don't represent our own thought because our own thoughts are contaminated by the darkness that invaded his world. So we've got to ride on his thoughts. Well, you can't do that if you don't know them. And you can't know them if you've not read about them. 
This is not the totality of God's thoughts. This right here is an abstract. It's kind of like you're writing a dissertation and we've got this 12-page abstract. But then you got to get to read the dissertation. Then you read all of the other 300, 900 pages about the subject that you were studying. The Bible is an abstract. It's actually an extract, abstract of God's experience and existence as the Almighty and his experience with his creation. It, so as that, it has the how to, it has the why to, it has the what to, all of that. But I don't care how many translations of this Bible you write. You will never get the whole thing because it's an abstract. It's an extract of an abstract. And it's full of samples and models and templates and, and examples and tips. And it's also including precedences. But there's all small pieces of everything that makes a world work and makes a creature survive. See, we've been trying to say, well, you know, it's the word of God. It is. It's, a, it's an extract of his word. You, when you go into God's library, it's bigger than our planet. And for him to be able to pull all of those little things in together and then stop them at a point in time that makes us think that they're antiquated, antiquated or they're ancient, the man is a marvel. I have been in his library, in his archives. First of all, the glory there is unbelievable. I thought everything about God is glory. But what I do know is that he said, Paula, tell them this is an abstract. But see, if you don't go to school and even learn what words mean, it doesn't make a difference how much revelation you get. It's going to be like a clogged sink. It's never going anywhere. Because you need something to dilute it for it to pass through. So. All of this is what God gave to this planet. Now, we don't know what he gave to the other planets. We don't know what he gave to the rest of, the, of our cosmos. This all pertains to our cosmos, our world. But he wants you to understand that when we say as he is, so are we in this world. That is not an assumptive statement. That is not a presumptive statement. That is a fact of ingredients a statement of potential expression. Rice is good. Isn't it good? In a bag, though, you can't do much with it until you take it out of the bag and process it for consumption. So is our new creation. As long as we keep it locked down, packed down, and starved because it only grows on God's mind, God's thoughts, God's word. It won't grow on, on the world. Because he has things in the world he already told to die and stay dead. He did. He, he already said that. He said to the cherub, you're going to walk on. I don't care how much Satan pretends that he can, you know, stand up. Whatever. He has to go on his belly eventually because that is his condemned state of existence. Wow. He has viruses and bugs and he has all sorts of 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 particles etc that he told to die and to breed death remember i'm not dying but these are going to kill he says because you have a, a, you know it's bad when when we had all of these people in in teaching us bible and teaching us what they assume which was a lot of it was asiatic in in concept and context 
for example, God ain't going to kill nobody. In Deuteronomy, he boldly said, I kill and I make a lie. I don't want, what book were you reading? God ain't take that man's life. The devil did. Job, only don't take his life. So you can't trust people who are teaching you scripture that errantly. The man said, I kill and I make a life. I make peace and I create calamity or chaos. All, all of it is mine. All souls are mine. Not just the soul of mortal flesh. Jesus has a soul. That soul belongs to his father. See, we didn't even think about that. Devil's got a soul. Because soul is that individuated identifier that distinguishes you from others of your kind and other species entirely. That is what your soul does. Your soul would be kind of like our, your, your file, your dossier, or your file here as a human being. It identifies you and distinguishes you. So it, it, it identifies and individuates. So that no matter what, you may be similar to, you may be related to, but your soul is a one of a kind, which, it's, which is why everything that it produces is one of a kind. You know, I feel like I'm ready to go home and go to sleep. Not yet? Not yet? Okay. I got to hang out a little longer? All right. Just a few more things. Okay. So when you think about your soul and how the maker made it, you've got to think it not the way the Asiatics handed it down to us. And before them, the Africans. Because we are in the cradle of civilization. And so you cannot think about it the way they do because they are answering soul issues from the death command of the Almighty. Death, doom, command. That's the law of sin and death. Because, because see, it said the law of the spirit of what? Life in? The law of the spirit of life where? So everything about life is in Jesus Christ. And everything about death is outside him. That means that Jesus is the, which is why he was the mediator, which is why his soul had to go to hell. And his Holy Spirit had to come and get him. We have not touched the gospel, which is why your soul can't be made whole. You've got to hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How can they, what, believe if they never hear? How can they hear if it's never preached? How can it be preached if we never get a preacher? So we're here today because we've been, you are, you literally have been preached into who you are and into the world you've accepted because your soul did, was deprived of everything that would bring you into and keep you prospering and flourishing in the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus Christ. That's, that's where you are. We are stuck there. Because your soul, God made the soul able to control and dominate everything, not just death. See, pagans can dominate everything in their sphere because they are mandated to death. Everything is death. That's why when you read them, look, look at the era when they're in control. What do we have? Death everywhere. We got death in the movies, death in the, whatever, a death everywhere. Because Satan missed his bid for 
creation dominance. He made his, he did, gave it his best shot and he lost because he underestimated how God secures God. He assumed, like many people do with us, what you see is what you get. He had a WYSIWYG mentality. And he assumed what that cherub assumed what he saw was what was available. The best God has. Smart leaders, smart people will never let you know what keeps them alive. Because that's tantamount to, to suicide. Right. Because they know you're going to kill them. Right. So God, before he made every, anything, he put himself through everything. He wanted to make himself portable, but also distributable and individual. And individual, meaning I'm going to have me this and me is you, me, whatever. He did that, but he had to make sure that it could not be destroyed. See, we are okay with risks that kill. That's why our nation is where it is right now. And then you have it on your in your mind that it's up to God. See, we've taught you it's all on God. It's on you. God doesn't need earth. He already said, I have a new one waiting in the wings. Didn't he say that? He said, I, he said, I, I already made my new head because he said all of his works, according to Hebrews 4, all of his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Not only this world, but every world that's going to come. Because every nation creates another world. So here we are. Y'all all right? Every nation does. Because the world is not the, not the earth. The world is the furnishment and the population of the earth. So there are prophecies about earth. And then there are prophecies about worlds. So God created everything. He, I need you to get that because that's why prophecy can be errant. Because if you're speaking prophecy that is about you and you're speaking it from your spirit or the spirit of this world, then your prophecy is going to be false. Because there's none of the creator's duty, obligation to perform it or protect it or to guard it anywhere. So you're inseminating doom by false prophecy. That's the purpose of false prophecy is to inseminate doom. By the way, you want to get in these classes, then you need to go and, and, and enroll in Price University. Or you need to at least go and sign up for a self-study course see you can say all day long who who is a prophet who is an apostle based on your reaction but who's talking to you like this today where have you heard this they knew jesus because he spoke not what was every day not what was common he spoke a truth that spoke to the truth that made them he didn't just give them the law. He told them what was happening that made his father have to create the law. That's what made him a faithful witness. 
So when you think about now we're moving forward, when you think about your soul and you think, my God, my soul needs to be healed. You have to ask yourself, what is it that made it sick? What what does your soul define as sick? Because your soul will tell you what's sick because it sickens your body. Because it depresses your your emotions. That's why 3D, again, 3D is what? A systemic for soul restoration. 3D is a systemic platform for soul restoration. I'm going to say it again. A systemic platform for soul restoration. That's 3D in a nutshell. You did not, and the reason it's 3D is because of the number one thing that is that you'll find if you look at a soul's um, congestion, if you look at its debris and its sediments, if you look at all of the things that are in a soul and you looked at it as a wire, all of us know because we've been wireless so long we can't find a plug to anything. But anyway, but so and and think of it as as the lifelines being a tangled mess of wires if you tracked all of those wires down to their origin you're going to find disappointment that is why it's 3d disappointment because disappointment is it will is the beginning of all emotional distress and we're going to look at that in future discussions so disappointment, 3D. And so in order to do it, you have to do something with that disappointment. The first thing is you're going to have to decide to do something about it. And then the next thing is that you're going to have to discover what it is that happened. Because many times you can't heal disappointment because your ego doesn't want to admit it's wrong. Your ego doesn't want to admit that it allowed itself to be vulnerable or tricked. And right now, because of the occultism, because of paganism, because of the witchcraft and all of that stuff, they're telling you the occult. And you need to study the term, just the basic term. Occult means other God. It means a God outside your own. Culture comes from the word cult, which means the rituals and the regimens for a, a God gave to its populace. You need to look it up. So because you all are so busy jumping on bandwagons and whatnot, you have no idea how smart that world is. But remember, that cherub shattered creation before you were even out of God's soul. You walk around there and talk about astrology. I don't even know some woman. I talk, I talk, I talk about, and I know we all and ask me my sign. I looked at her like she was crazy. First of all, I'm more than a sign. I looked at her and I thought, you need to stop asking people that. Because you don't know. And it took everything I had not to go Paula Price on her. Because, see, I can go Paula Price on you. And I thought, you little booby, booby girl, you don't even know what you're doing. And, and my question is, what's knowing my sign got to do with you? I don't expect to ever see you again. So what are you going to do with that information? Why do I need to tell you that? Because your devil wants me to remember how I kicked him out. You can't do anything with my sign. Not one thing. I'm not going to have a relationship with you. We had dinner. We're passing in the hallways. What are we going to do? Call each other by our signs? See how stupid he makes you? 
He needs stupid because he blew the best of his marks on his failure to take over creation, to, to assault his throne above the stars of God, to be on the mount of God. He blew everything he had. That was a full load. Everything that he had at that moment was put in that campaign and he lost. And he lost. So you're, you're now dealing with a really depleted soul. He's very depleted. And you need to understand that as a depleted soul, he has to have your soul in order to do anything worthwhile. Because his is doomed. Doom doesn't just mean that, wow, I'm going to die. Doom means everything that could keep you alive has been extracted from you. And you subsist as a dead being. So when you start thinking about all of this occult stuff, and I love it when they start saying, well, that's legalistic. Yeah, right. Like you paying your taxes or losing your business. Right. <laughs> You've got to get to a point that you are operating from the high seat that we are. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What are you doing up there? Just, just laying out on lounging on the grass? The word seated is not just, uh, let me have a, 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 everybody be seated, sit in the chair. That word actually began with, let me put you in a place or a chair of authority where you rule. Which is why we make a big difference between be seated, I'm talking about in, in earlier times, and sit down. So, you have to understand that when you are in an office, then you are seated in a place of authority. When you're the audience, you sit down. See, she got a new bell. So I want you to hear me. Now, this is not to say that we don't at our level, but you have to recognize, discern the stratum that you're talking to and that you're talking into. Because words mean different things to different stratum of people. All the way up to the almighty. You can be, I'm the president of the football league. Yeah, but you're not the president of the, anyway. So 3D is about your soul being made whole and coming online systematically, systemically coming online in the Godhead. I told you all last year, we, when we went around for years and people trying to, because you know, Satan works hard, especially with the unlearned, to make you feel as if you are, we're, that everything Christian is the scum of the earth and whatever, and y'all bought into it. Not me. I'm not doing it. But anyway, going on. So, so no, because Christians need to stand up and realize we are the head and not the tail. Now, we might have taken a nap, but we coming back. We are the head. We are the head of only and above all principality and power. Even when you all pray for these political campaigners, you pray as if they're not the head, as if they're doing something that's, that's illegal or something that is immoral or unethical because the devil's got a problem. No, they're in those seats illegally. If you want to be realistic, they're in those seats illegally. 
for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, and, though, and he has given it to the children of men, and then he's turned around and put it all back in his son Jesus Christ, in him. In him, we sit in heavenly places. Identity is the key to death, destiny. And you and I are stuck in your soul because you've lived 40 years with people telling you your salvation is futuristic. When you die, you'll be great. When you die, you'll get to heaven. When you die, when you die, when you die. Are you kidding me? I'm reigning here. Because the Bible says in Revelation, we will reign with him on earth. See, we have a long way to go to get to that new earth. A whole lot of things have to happen before God rolls out that whole new cosmos. So he's got to be talking about this one. And you were talked out of it because your soul was more conditioned and primed to surrender than it was to conquest. Jesus had to come to the planet and say, be wise as serpents. We write serpent and half of you all want to act like the translators and interpreters got it wrong. Like Jesus didn't know he made a serpent, that he didn't put that serpent in the garden to vet that man. And that he did not make the serpent more cunning than any beast of the field. Somebody going to hear what I'm saying right now. More, more, I got to hit or something. He said, now the serpent was more cunning. In his fallen, mutated, mutilated state. He was more cunning. God gave him an ability that was the equivalent of humanity. To show us that as cunning as he was, Adam had him outmatched. So you're, you and I, we're here. I'm giving you this as some little backstory because you need to understand where this is coming from. You need to appreciate who we are in Christ Jesus. You need to stop letting, letting devils who fail. I don't care what they say. They serve a God that can't get back to the world you're headed to. He cannot get back in. He can promise you. He can lie. He can do lying signs and wonders. He can fake you out. The reason he can't defeat you is why he's trying to do AI. Because God's creation still defeats him. But he said he made the serpent more cunning than any beast of the field. Now, back then, we didn't just have cows and whatever. We had dinosaurs. We had dragons. They had everything because God had everything going on. And Adam worked with and interacted with all of them. Don't assume he did not interact with that serpent. He held him off for 70 years. So he couldn't, he couldn't match wits with Adam because Adam was made in the image and likeness of the God that threw him out and banished him from his world. So we're going to start preaching the gospel using the right words. <clears throat> Not using those little pity pat, patty cake words. God banished him. Like we banished people from our nation, he banished him. He stripped him of his authority. He stripped him of his legitimacy. He, met, he stripped him of his access. And access in God's realm is not a book, a card. Access is your being. He shut down every being that would speak to the entry points in his creation. 
he neutralized all of every part of him, every every gene, every vein, every light, every power. He neutralized it and he taught and he caused them to not to talk. God, I, Dr. Price, I don't know if you're right. I don't know if I'm right. Look at Babel. They had access to each other's understanding, access to each other's soul, access to each other's thoughts. And when he said, oh, no, y'all not going to do this now. Mm-mm. Y'all not, he not gonna, he's not getting back in here through you. He fought to get an Adam because he knew Adam had access to the almighty. And, and see, when you have egress and when you have access, you have egress. And when you have egress, you know what else you get? You get the physiology. He knew that if he could get back into God's realm through Adam, he could get another shot at unseating the Almighty. That's the gospel. We haven't, you haven't heard the gospel. What you heard is a salvation message. Rewashed, re- rewinded, redone over and over and again. All you heard was the salvation and the gimme, the gimme land, the gimme message. You have not heard as the offspring of the Godhead should know what the father lived and did. So he needed to get in there. So he was getting in Adam. When did he do? He was able to access his soul because his spirit was still in Christ. I know, isn't that interesting? His soul, see, because God said man became a living soul. I know you are now I'll, I'll continue to beat this because when you if you don't take this in all of the other context throughout the script, remember, this is an abstract. It's an extract that became an abstract for human life in this planet. It is not the totality of the man's archives. So he needed to get into his soul because Adam's soul was still alive and still fused with the almighty. So everything that that Jesus could do everything, every privilege, every honor, every dignity that Jesus had was in his soul and in his spirit. But his spirit was not left on the planet. See, the reason God could, oh, I got to, she said, I'm just going to ring the bell for you. <laughs> I'm going to help you out. The reason you could get born again is because when God exited the planet, he took your spirit with him. Because we are one in Christ. So your spirit never fell, which is why he can send it to you brandy new. That's the gospel of your salvation. That is the gospel of the new birth. Your spirit, Jesus Christ, is the vault and as the custodian and the storehouse of every person meant to live forever with he and his father when this is all when they get rid of this the elements the particles and the germs of this serpent because he did not just spread liquid he spread particles he spread germs he spread cells all of that he got an atom to cellulate himself so your soul was on the planet and his trophy was the soul, not realizing that God kept the spirit because it's the spirit that gives life. So God kept the spirit. And when God exited Adam, uh, everything that was in God exited Adam too. 
That's the gospel that's not been preached. So we have, I got to drink something. I hope y'all are catching me out there. That is why when we talk about predestination and God said he predestined, how did he predestine us? He pulled us out of Adam when he left Adam. And he went back home and took us back home in his being because it's all biotic. It is not literary. It is not conceptual, theological, ideological. It is physical, literal. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Do you hear me? So that is why we could not, the new birth couldn't happen until the Holy Ghost came. Because it's the Holy Ghost that took us out. Because Adam did not have an individual spirit. He shared the same spirit with his maker. Just like we share our spirit, our new creation spirit with our maker. The Holy Ghost brought us all back to the planet and said, okay, now let's do this again right. Through the last Adam. I don't know if this is speaking to you. Your salvation. That's why Paul, uh, Peter talks about your salvation being so precious. Your soul is, your soul is essential. But your spirit is precious. And, so, and the only way he can get to and siphon the life from your spirit is to get into your soul. And he has uh, literally hundreds of thousands of means and mechanisms and methods of doing it. His principal one is sex. And I'm ready for a commercial so I can catch my breath. (laughs) Glory to God. You have got to recognize success will make you fail over and over and over again. And do you know why? Because it's only through failures that you find your errors. And so we're raised in our hand. Talk about table talk. We're raised in our families to think failure is the worst thing. The worst thing you can do is fail. That's how we're raised. Is that right? But that's not what success says. Success says if you don't fail, you won't correct your errors. Now, when you don't correct your errors, you keep going and keep going, and you keep hitting wall after wall after wall, you think something is wrong with you, and it isn't. It's not what's wrong with you. It's what you refuse to own up to. So when you own up to a failure, see, us, a failure means we, you know, that we are flawed. Not that your process or your method is flawed. So I teach my team, and they will tell you, I want you to fail. Fail. Now I know y'all need to get your grades, so don't please don't go with your head. I know that. But I'm not talking about academic failure. I'm talking about experimental failure. And there is a difference. An experimental failure means 
this great idea or this great hairstyle that you would have, this great cosmetic line that you would come up with, and it's really good. Isn't it good? It looks good in your brain. But the brain sees the finished product. Experimentation is how you get there. So you'll go doing what you see and not researching what you're learning. Reintroducing DrPaulaPricePowerTrain.com. Become the most successful you. Business and life coaching and training with Dr. Paula Price. Register today for her course that will be available called Taking Control of Your Soul, a personalized way to take control of you. Lesson one, your soul is the creator made it. Lesson two, soul fixer upper, getting in touch with your soul. Lesson three, dissecting the thoughts of the heart. And lesson four, under construction, exposing the appetites of the heart and soul. Learn more at www.drpaulapricepowertrain.com. Introducing Soul Call Fridays with Dr. Price. Taking your soul from distress to success. One person at a time. Tune in every Friday on Facebook or YouTube. Woo! I don't know about you, but I had to, I needed that break. <laughs> I need you to study um, Ezekiel 28. Because one of the things that you understand that no matter how powerful he can morph, you know, devils can, they, he has the ability to morph his body into whatever he wants, but he can't keep it there. Ultimately, the mandate of the serpent is going to take over. And when he's overstressed, he's got to go back to his native form, too. You know, and he's telling you that I can only do it for a little bit. I mean, but can you imagine... The devil could tell you the truth, and you know what? He could tell you to lie and then tell you his truth. And you know what? Your need to believe anything but Jesus Christ will make you take his word as true. Because you had he passed on his issue with the Almighty, and that is his son, the second person of the Godhead. So now you can read all of this. I won't read it, but I want you to look at where we are. Because see, this here is our world today. And I have it in this translation. I wish I'd had another one, but you can read it in your own. This is the whole thing about the um, the cherub that was in the Garden of Eden. See, because see, a couple of things happened. First, he was in the garden. Then he got downgraded to earth, but he still had access. He even had access with Job. So now, obviously, God put the meeting someplace else. But uh, Ezekiel 28, he said, 15, thou, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. See, he wasn't born. That was his first issue. He was not born. He was created. He's man-made, handmade, man-made. And so he said, till iniquity was found in thee. So God found it. And he said, by the, now listen to this, by the multitude of thy merchandise, y'all have filled, they have filled the midst of thee with violence and thou has sinned, therefore I will cast thee 
as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Now look at this. By the multitude of his merchandise, who's, who's, who's beating us today? Big business. He did it again. So he's got big business destroying the consumers so he can destroy humanity. This is business. This is, see, you keep telling me how old, how dated the Bible is, and I'm trying to find out where's the datedness. He said, and it filled thee with violence. Is that not what we see? Folk disappearing. We don't know what happened to them. Okay. And thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane. Walk that word. When you get a chance, walk that word. Out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, he's saying this in Ezekiel. So that means a whole lot more. There was a day that the sons of God came to a meeting with the Lord, and Satan came among them. So we know that this is a systemic thing that God is dealing with. He's dealing with this systemically. All right. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. What was one of the most powerful industries? Beauty. Thou has corrupted thy wisdom by reason of your brightness. So now he is enlightenment. So you have to, that's why you need teachers. Because you can't just look at this and, and, and not understand how it relates age to age, time to time, era to era, population to population, etc. He said, I will cast thee to the ground. Hear me? So if he wasn't already grounded, he said, and I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. So I'm casting you to the ground, not just the earth, to where the dead, the dead kings and sovereigns who believed his lie are. Because it tells you in some place else that they're waiting for him. They are waiting for him because they're going to get him because they believed his lie. And they look at the, all of these, this here socialist communist thing. Because you wonder where is that coming from? All of that's here. And it says here, now this I really love. He said, I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. And they're going to look at him, and his fall will be their mockery. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities. And listen to this, by the iniquity of thy traffic. This whole, our food sitting on the dock of the bay, starving us. This whole in, uh, bringing in the, the, the trafficking in sin and crime and cartels and whatnot, that's him. Because if it never happened in the spirit, it could never happen in the natural. So he already has his own infrastructure, his own system. He's got it. It's worked before. He keeps moving every time a new generation of humanity is born. It's born with more brilliance and more genius so he can get more and more of his, the, the, his knowledge and wisdom from the world that he was banished from into the earth. Therefore, I will look at that. I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, and it shall devour thee. What did I say? He took his power. So that inherent power that made him like the angels, like the cherub, the, the cherubim that didn't let him back in the Garden of Eden. See, because he was them. I know he keeps telling you about archangel. He was them. 
And so he said, I'm taking his power. So the power he's operating on, and after all of these ages that have passed, you have to understand, he has to take on humanity, and he needs Christians because Christians have the Holy Ghost. The strategy, you cannot be an apostle and not understand the, the eternal cosmic strategy, that God has strategy in all of the attacks against him. So he, turn, he needs your soul. Because your soul gives them access to your spirit. Not just your human spirit, but your new creation spirit, which is fused with the Holy Ghost. So he gets to siphon a little bit. Mm, I don't know about y'all. Does this speak to you all? Prophets, how's this going? Because see, this is stuff that you should get from apostles and prophets. Not the Candyland gospel that you've been having. Hmm? And shoots the ladders. See, this is what you need to understand why your soul is up for grabs. Why he needs your soul. Because only God can separate the spirit, the soul from the spirit, the spirit from the soul, joint and marrow. He needs that. And so he's worked hard to convert the church. He couldn't convert it, so he invaded it. And he converted it as an invader. You know, I almost want to go home and go to sleep. I just want to go home and say, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> So he said, and I will bring foul. In other words, all of his internal powers and forces, God turned them against him. And they began to destroy him from the inside out. They began to self-destruct and disintegrate the being that God made. And let him subsist on the being that he made that he thought would overpower God in him. So we have Jesus saying he's in this from the beginning. He's a murderer from the beginning. And you never realize this here. Understand this here is not talking about humanity on earth. And it scares the church to think that heaven had a time when it was so vulnerable. But God did that on purpose. He did that on purpose because his wisdom told him the likelihood that at least one creature he made would be defective. So he created the defect for himself. So that this defect can try everything about him. And show him how extreme he could go. Is this all right? Is this... You know, God is the only one that has to, God has to create his own enemy. He's got to create his own competitors. He's got to create his own, um, what do you call it, rivals. He's got to create his own because he's it. I'm alpha and omega, beginning and ending, first and last. So God has to create the problem for himself. So he's always like a good system surveilling himself. To make sure that everything about him is doom-free, death-free, illness-free, contaminant-free. That is why you look at a cell, just a simple cell, the defense systems in a cell. Yes. Yeah. They, the, the cell is like, uh-uh, you ain't getting in here without a fright. 
and it'll go and it'll read more it'll morph it so it'll do whatever it, it to the to the maximum of its preservation that's imagine having this infinite number of that in a in a single being so he knew there would be one defect at least one and you can tell he knew that my daughter and I we had an amazing conversation last night and he you could tell it because what is he what did he do we got 12 tribes and one that was a failure Dan took the place uh, was replaced by the half tribe of Manasseh we had 12 apostles one was a defect and it was a defect that got Jesus on the cross so he created out of all of the cherubs that he created all of the cherubim he created one that was defected now how do I know that because they said thou art the anointed so this here that we're reading in Ezekiel Ezekiel is coming from God's archives prophecy comes from God's archives when it doesn't come from Satan's imagination and his inventions so if you look at Ezekiel 28 14 he said thou the anointed cherub that covered it covereth and I have set thee so, set thee so or I've set thee remember I said set seated thou was upon the holy mountain of God thou has walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire so that word anointed there is the word that tells you he's the one defect you can't ever test your strength your your best without having a defect we like those sometimes defects are decoys you can't ever test your best without a defect. That is something that we have taken away from the church. The ability to want to be tested to find out where they may be defective. Because excellence is not our goal. Now the word for anointed there is different from any other word. And he's the only one that has it. And it's the word mimshach. M-I-M-S-H-A-C-H. He's the only one that has that word that tells me he's the defect. Now, if he's a defect and nothing actually dies in God, because see, we think of death differently than God thinks of death. So if he's the defect and nothing actually dies in Christ, in God, they, God just quarantines them. He isolates them then that tells me that God created him, even though he was on the Mount of God and all of those kinds of things, to test himself and to make sure that all of the systems that he has are intact, are impenetrable, are impervious to future defects because this everything in him is reproductive, one way or the other. He put him in all of his worlds, almost. And he let him learn everything as a defect. Because when he got ready to throw him out, he knew he would create another world, a world of darkness. And he had to be taught by his father, his maker had to teach him how worlds are started, how you keep them going, how you rule as a spiritual sovereign. He, so he was sovereign, just not the supreme being. 
I hope you hear this. So remember now, he has a soul, he has a body, he is a spirit. We are spirit, soul, body. So is he. So he, the word for anointed cherub there is only for him. He's the defect that God created to self-test. And he's always self-testing. So now, God, he and God, you know, God is like, okay, so beta's over. And you certainly will never be alpha. But we're going to let you go head on and take this and go to your next thing. And so he tells him. In verse 18, he says, you defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities and by the iniquity of your traffic. That's your business and enterprise. This is big business. Right here. He said, therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. Now, you're talking about a spirit being brought to ashes. So that's got to be cosmic. That cannot be earth dirt. Because when we meet him in Genesis, this is already done. So he's going to bring him to, to ashes. What kind of ashes? And then he says, and all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, terror, terrorist. And never shalt thou be anymore. You will never be what you were. We will never call you cherub again. Ever. We will call you dragon. We will call you Satan. We will call you devil. We will call you serpent. But we will never call you cherub again. You will never be that. Lucifer is the name he uses to seduce the blind on the planet. He is not Lucifer. Because in God's realm, name is being. Being is substance. Substance is essence. So all of his attributes that made him Lucifer got destroyed in that fire in the ashes. He doesn't exist as that. He manifests magically, imaginarily, but he doesn't exist as that. Which is why he needs your soul. Because he can't get anything done without it. So he needs your soul. And he the whole big deal about Adam was that he got a body because he didn't have one. They didn't catch it. He didn't have a body. And not only did he get a body, but he got a reproductive system. She said, which he also didn't have. And so when you read this, this is set in the when it is set as if it's pertaining to a human king. Well, it really is pertaining to a human king because that line, that lineage, has already become the genealogy, the lineal of Satan, of the dragon or the serpent. And it's important that you recognize why you should take care of your soul, but in the same um, vein. Why we don't like we really don't. You're taught that your emotions are 100 percent out of your control. You can't help what you feel. You're taught that the heart wants what the heart wants. 
You're taught that it is not your fault. You can't help it that you have this temper or that temperament. You are taught this and you're taught it from a child. Parents do not regulate their children's feelings. They regulate their behavior. And that only temporarily. Because in the background, they're saying, yeah, but he's just like me. Well, you know, my family is like that. Your family's genealogy is not from the almighty. So when you are, at the, the moment you start moving forward, you have got to start altering your soul. Which is what we're talking about, soul. In, in our book, the whole, the, the whole complex is A, B, C, D, addiction, bondage, captivity, and dependency. That's the pillar in your soul. And those pillars are potential. They are, you, all of us got a, a, one of the other. And there, some of them, addiction starts out as a positive word, meaning it is a, 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 a state, not just a quality, but a state and a, and a condition of being susceptible to positive emotions or affections. Addiction ties to your affections, your love interest, if you will, to use a term or phrase you can relate to. So then, so addiction will bring you into bondage. Bondage will bring you into captivity. The culmination is that you become dependent, or as we've said in so many times, codependent. So 3D is, again, a what? Systemic platform for soul restoration. So you have to remember that when you start trying to explain it. And so, and it's based on lifelong liberty. Do you see that in the middle of there? Let me just help you out. I can help you out. There we are. Here we found you. Lifelong liberty. The alternative to ABCD is that you build your soul to become captivity free and bondage resistant. You're, you do that. And it's not always substance abuse. Sometimes we, it, it, it may, the substance gives you the cellulation. That chelation, if you will. The substance gives you that in your soul. Because your soul does not thrive on natural anything. It thrives on its effects or the particles of the chemicals. So you start, you start 3D off on decision, discovery, deliverance. Your end result is the revelation will bring you to realization and realization will give you the reasons. It's important that you remember decision, the reason you became dependent, A, B, C, D, enslaved, the reason that happened is because your reasoning faculties were off. How you reasoned your salvation should be, how you reasoned your solution should be, how you reasoned your life should be. It's your reasoning that we've got to deal with because your soul is intelligent. It has its own intelligence logic. Now, granted, that intelligence is mostly dark until God comes in. When David talks about he's shaped in iniquity, his body, David was known to be a very good looking attractive man so what was the iniquity his soul his soul was shaped in iniquity 
In other words, it was shaped the way we just read here in Ezekiel 28. His soul was shaped for darkness. It was shaped for doom, but it was also shaped for destruction and deviancy. And deviancy is where you go. It's the start place of destruction. Now, you'll, you'll hear folks tell you all of the things about, well, you know, that's just how the Christians see it. You know, the Christians are not looking at people's souls. But we are looking at the effect of your faiths. We're looking at the fact that you, that, that, that God himself, you know, we, we hear Christians say God doesn't mind if you drink. Yes, he does. We're, yes, he does. He wrote it in his word. And he said in Proverbs, he talks about the alcoholic. That's the addicted. And he talks about how bleary eyed that he gets. He talks about how people abuse him, how he can't render good judgments and can't defend himself. Why in the world would you call it an intelligent thing for you to get so pissy, messy, drunk, you can't defend yourself? Who would leave you defenseless? That's not your maker. Your maker wouldn't do that. Your maker would also know your genealogical tree well enough to know that every male in your family is prone to addiction. So he would not introduce you to anything addictive. But if somebody wanted to seize your soul, they would. So the being who wants to seize your soul. Well, I'm not sure. John 13. John 13 actually tells us Satan enters his children. As a matter of fact, they're excited because he's like the big man that's entering, not the little imps. And in John 13, it was Judas's time to sell Jesus out. And so his, the way he was supposed to do it, it was already planned that he would go and they had, they'd already paid him. And it was all prophesied because God has to do it all. If he's not alpha, he's not omega. If he's not omega, he cannot fix alpha. So it was already, the prophet said that he was going to be sell, sold for 30 pieces of silver. And so he did. And it said after Jesus, at this last supper, Jesus dipped in the, in the sop and he gave somebody the bread. And he said, the one to whom I give this bread to, he is he that will betray me. Now, Satan is at the Last Supper. The whole idea that he is not at those key points is really interesting. He's at the Last Supper. We never talk about that. He's standing by at the Last Supper, waiting to fulfill the word of the prophets that prophesied this moment. So prophecy is not just a human task. It's an angel's task and it's a devil's task. So he's at the Last Supper. The only thing he's not doing is eating. He's everywhere Jesus is, which means he's always going to be with you. Wherever Jesus is, you are going to find him because he's Jesus' dark slave. He's a slave of darkness. He's got to do it. So he's there and he's excited because, see, he has no enlightenment. All he has is a literary fact. 
the words. You're going to listen. There's going to come a time. I'm, sin, I'm coming to the planet. I'm coming to the planet. Son of God. I'm going to be Emmanuel. I'm going to do all of these kinds of things. And then I'm going to be there. And, at, and by age 30, I'm going to show up. And, and how you know me is how I'm going to begin to unveil myself to them. And when I do, I will do that for three and a half years, and I'm going to let you really war with me. Because can you imagine in God's world, before Jesus incarnate, Satan said, yeah, but if you were in my planet, I'd, I'd kick your behind. If you were in my planet, I would rule. If you And so Jesus is like, it's on. And they both came to earth. He's Satan on earth. Jesus came to earth. God hit him, then saved him, and then with, restrained him until he trained him, and then released him as the last Adam. And he's like, I took out your first Adam, I took out your forefather, I'm going to take you out too. Jesus like, we'll see. And so he, everywhere Jesus goes, he's there trying to take him out. But God said, there's going to be time now, I'm going to have this supper, and at this last supper, this is what he let him know. I'm going to put myself, I will put myself in your hand. And you can do with me anything you want. Would you like that? So he's at the Last Supper. We never talk about that. But it says when he, when he gave Judas the salt, Judas ate it, and he said, the minute Jesus did that, Satan entered him. Where was he? He was at the dinner table. He had been heckling him through Satan, uh, through Judas. He'd been nagging him through Judas. He'd been betraying him place to place. He'd even been robbing Jesus and cheating Jesus through Judas. So why are you surprised? But he couldn't take Jesus out just like he couldn't take Job out until it was time. And when it was time, Satan entered him and Judas, who had been threatening and agitating and wiggling, trying to, to sell this man out, is suddenly got all the boldness he needs. He's bold. He's determined because, you know, the devil will do that. He, you know, he always give that shit because he can't stay anywhere a long time. Come on. So he, he, he got him. He, he said that he had already told him, who I kiss. In the garden, because he always goes here, and he always does that. He said, that's him. You can take him then. Then Satan leaves, and he becomes suicidal because he realizes he destroyed his best friend, his apostle, his Messiah, his Lord, and his maker. And the weight of that guilt was way too much for him, the guilt of his sin. And there was no blood of the lamb. Because he was picked because he was a son of perdition. He was picked because he was Satan's child. Did I not choose you 12 and one of you is a devil? I said that. One of you is a son of perdition. So he picked him because he's one of his lineal offspring. That means he was solically built. To be a vessel and an instrument of death and doom. This is the gospel that must be preached in all nations before the end comes. I'm just saying. Yes, you are. 
So let's talk a little bit about soul enslavement. To the right, from the journey to success, to the right is a list of soul experiences that paved the way for its enslavement. As you can see, the ground floor is disappointment. Its immediate consequence is discouragement, followed by dejection, a sadness that leads to unhappiness that when extreme or prolonged results in forlornness and that a miserable gloominess. These are, you can tell a person who is wrestling with unsettled disappointment. They are moody, they are gloomy, they're pessimistic, they're unpleasant. Some of them are bitter. A lot of times they're sarcastic. Sarcasm is a great guard against future disappointment. If I, if, I'm, if I don't do anything but see the negative side of people, and I, if I don't give people anything but the negative side of me, then I don't have to worry about this innate and inherent faith and trust that's in all human beings coming alive and again to trip me up to cause me to be disappointed again. Resilience takes courage. For good reasons why you want to, these are four good reasons why you want to resolve and alleviate emotional traumas or disappointment as quickly as you can. So they don't root themselves in your soul, festering pains and sorrows that beg for artificial treatments that can lead to ABCD enslavement. So here we are. This is how we A, B, C, D. You can see there. The first one is disappointment, discouragement, dejection, despair. They take you into this hallway. Do you see the hallway? The hallway of A, B, C, enslavement, so that you don't have a clue how to get out. Once you get in the dungeon, see, that's a once you get into that, you have to, you have to walk your way up to get out of it and it's going to take you to it so it's a step up the ground floor is disappointment i tried i did it and so and so and i did this and i did that especially when disappointment gets a real stronghold with self-righteousness self-righteousness is i did it and i know i was right you can tell a person who's self-righteous who will end up in severe disappointment because they'll say things like i'm generous to a fault why is generosity a fault What is that? We don't even know what that is. Listen, I'm a good person. According to whom? Your family, your mom, your dad? Are you a good person to your community? Are you a good person at work? Well, I do a lot of good deeds. Good deeds have a lot of motives. And they're not always good. Some of the good deeds that we do are to put people on a hook, to leverage people, to exploit their naivety, to exploit their, their immaturity. So we can't, that's why God doesn't measure by good deeds. Because he said, how can you being evil do good things? You can understand when goodness comes with some, some sad hooks, it wasn't good. So when we, when we start talking about it, and then we move into discouragement. Well, you know, I did my best, and so why try? So disappointment, breaking your appointment with your hope and expectation also breaks your courage. You do it enough times, you decide it's not worth it. The majority of the church was hyped up on the faith message, on the money message, on the prosperity message, not understanding that the seed is always going to get more fruit than the leaf. 
So you all are upset about being the leaf. Because you really did not understand the principles and the practices of the root. I mean, we, we talk about that in our conversations about investments. Well, of course, you know, first in gets the most. Don't we say that? By the time you get to the leaf, you get a couple of uh, one half of a penny. I can't. Feel, I, I, one day I remember I got a. I got a. Uh, I was part of a class action suit. I didn't even have to sign up. I was just in the class. Okay, so I was part of the class action suit. They asked me, did I want to get something of it? When it happened, the suit was like I don't know, maybe close to a million dollars. By the time I got mine, I think I might have got ninety-seven dollars. I was a leaf. <laughs> I got my leaf pay. <laughs> There you go. Gas, dinner money. Okay. And then dejection. Dejection is very interesting because the word dejection is to throw. So when you start feeling dejected, you feel like you can't get out there. You can't, I can't push myself out there. I can't break free, whatever. Now, all of these are sentiments that are supported by events that broke your soul. Now, sometimes they come, they're always there. For example, you might have been that kid that if it was a little kid, you never, you never made it. Or if you could have been a child who was, a, who was bullied in school. And so bullied people have two extremes, extreme cowardice or extreme brutality. Both of them are based on the heart's resolve to never, ever have to relive that experience of vulnerability again. See, the whole thing, powerlessness, powerlessness, that's important. I started this discussion trying to get you to understand that. And then we have despair, and we talked about despair. So we're talking about being, instead of being paired with success, you're paired with failure. And you can't connect with successful people. That spirit, that emission. When we say spirit, we're talking about the emission of the invisible power that is maneuvering or stewarding your soul suffering. Wow. So that emission is there. And you're emitting it. So when you come up to certain people, it's like when you see them coming, you want to run. That's the beauty of the, the, the clinicians, the beauty of the therapists, the counselors, and all of that. They are like the, they are for the soul the way the medical professionals are with the body. They can deal with your, they go, they plow past your stench. You know, they move past the, the you know, your crankiness. They know all of those are symptomatic of something else, of a sorrow and suffering. I think I told you last time that you should read uh, my book 3D while you're getting ready for the one I'm releasing, that you need to read the section on the sorrowful soul. Now, there's a section here called the addict's intelligence. I want you to read that because the soul has its own intelligence and logic system. The addict's, addict's intelligence, the intelligence to get a single person to finance a lifestyle of addiction takes a remarkable salesperson. To get one's entire family to tolerate it to its own peril, peril is commendable. However, to get a circle of friends and supporters to join that group is incredible. 
And how about this? To hide an addiction for months or years while displaying its signs so blatantly that those close to you should have detected it is stupendous. Add to these the masterful deceits that keep the trusting entangled in a web of lies if for no other reason than their love for the addict is stupefying. Again, it works because loving family and friends do not want to believe their beloved is caught in such a destructive trap. That disbelief indulges all of the mayhem caused by the addict and prolongs the decision to be set free from it. All of this is to say that discernment and creator-related principles required to deliver a soul from any bondage begin with the maker and not with the thing made which is why 3D works best with those filled with Christ's spirit. It is also why Christian resources and elements are used to pierce the soul, to pierce the soul and expose the captive force facilitating the addiction. In this last minute, I'm going to share with you because we're done. Yeah. How God delivers the soul. Because next week we're gonna uh, we're gonna do that. I'm not gonna show it to you because you're gonna take pictures and then I'm gonna be a little bit. You'll get ahead of me. I don't want you to do that. God's spirit employs earthly tools one way for these unsaved and another for the saved. His residence within the redeemed responds to the codes of life the new birth installs in a particular manner. Being outside of a suffering human requires the Holy Spirit to address their issues from an entirely different vantage point with every action deliberately implemented to lead the person to salvation. It is true that both groups must begin with repentance. However, it is the type and effect of the repentance that separates them. The unsaved must repent to receive forgiveness, the forgiveness that slaughters the old man and implants the new creature in Christ Jesus in its place. The addicted saved must repent of idolatry and the waywardness that preceded it. The unsaved addict must enter God's family. The addicted saved one must deal with mistreating him as a member of it. None of these statements aim to discredit non-Christian programs. They are only to validate the spiritual premises of the 3D process. I like to read it so that you all buy the book. Wouldn't it be nice if they bought the book? Now, by the time we get to that, you probably you've gotten past a whole lot of other things, you know, and even understanding the 3D process, why it's more than ex, uh, um, exorcism, because, you know, we think it is that. And then all of the elements of disappointment and whatever. So we'll keep working through this. Um, but if you find this to be helpful, then by all means, let us know. Post what it's doing for you. If you would like to get more information, they have it on the screen, how you can get an advisor, how you can purchase the book, and then how you can get an advisor to work with you. As, as uh, Apostle Ashley said, you cannot do this alone, not only because you can't, you're blind to your own motives and intents, but also you can also be so hard on yourself that you're undoing what you're doing. You need somebody with a balanced perspective to say, yeah, but that's not that you know, or this is not this. You need someone who's experienced. Our advisors have been at this thing over a decade. They have counseled and advised. I don't even know how many people. A lot. They, but they gave me a number. A lot. I don't know what that number. That's the number. Huh? That's the song. And this book, you can read it on your own. But if you want to work it and walk through it, we strongly urge you 
to get yourself a 3D advisor. Now, if you're one of those people who said, wow, wow I'd like to do that. I would love to, to be an advisor. Hey, same thing. They'll tell you how to do it. Become a 3D advisor. They'll tell you what's involved, the criteria. I will tell you right now, if you're, if you're a, 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 a saint that has not learned God's word or you have your own theology, you probably won't do well with us. But we will teach you. But we are looking for 3D advisors, lots of them. And some of you are already doing this and you're like, but God, this is this got to be more. It was particularly when you find yourself stuck with with pagan and Asiatic uh, principles and implements. Asiatic meaning like meditation and mindfulness and yoga. That's God. Your maker didn't need that. Your maker still doesn't need that. Your maker heals a soul with something that's very different. So if you want to find out more about it, they're going to put it on the screen uh, or you can email. They'll tell you how to email us. We've got a whole lot of ways to contact us. But understand, 3D is a what? Sis platform based on your soul as the maker made it, not as the world destroyed it. Oh, we've come to the end. Make sure you share this, share, 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 and then go and share some more. And then after you share, have your sharers share. And then we'll all be able to get this out. In addition, I would ask you to sow a seed. You know you can't get this anywhere else. You know you're not, I know you're not going to get it anywhere else because I know how I got it. So, I, hey, it's really clear. So I'm asking you to sow a seed and sow a seed. Anything you do is wonderful, but I need big seeds to get this where I'm trying to get it. You all have no idea how the enemy is fighting this and fighting me to make sure that your soul never becomes whole and that your soul never returns to your control. And the only thing I can do is trust you because you alone can help finance the weapons of this warfare. Nobody else can do it. I can't do it by myself. I can't, I've tried for almost 40 years. I've been trying to get this out for a good 10, and it's been battle after battle after battle. And you all know it. Some of you all know that. Know that. Trying to stay on television, trying to get the payments up. This is not easy. But I know that if the few that I've touched have had their lives changed and improved. And maybe we'll have a, a, a broadcast where we talk about how these soul teachings have blessed them and helped them. Then I know that if we can get this thing um, global, then we can have exponential growth and harvest. My hope, my passion is that you walk around handling your soul the way your maker made it, the way he made his own soul. So we, I need you to sow seed. So as great a seed as you possibly can. And, and it's easy you know, right now, it's easy for you to think that because this preacher got rich and now want to tell you not to do it. And that preacher got rich and now wants to tell you how not to do it. It's easy for you to buy into that. But you know what? It's your soul. Right. We must believe to the saving of our souls, that our souls may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you cannot get this knowledge out here without people like you helping. I have some of you who have really, really dug deep. I thank God for you. I ask God to bless you, to bless you, and to bless you, and to bless your seed. And I'm asking all of you all who have sown, I'm asking God to open the heavens over your seed. I'm asking that he would send a particular shower for your seed, a particular fertilizer for your seed, that your life will grow 
and blossom and bloom in all of the ways that you dream and you hope. And understand that as we help each other get our souls made whole, we then begin to change culture. We begin to change consciousness. We begin to change the world. You cannot change the world with the sinner's prayer. You must change the world with converted souls. Hey, I love you. Think differently, live powerfully, and join us Sunday here at the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands. God bless. Dr. Price should be on television because her wisdom is universal. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you agree or you don't, there is wisdom and eternal truths in everything she says. She's intelligent and not just emotionally reactionary. And so if she's going to, let's just say, have a rebuttal against something, she has done her homework. And so it's not just shooting off emotionally and this is just what I believe and just, you know, unbridled passion all over the place. She should be on television because the world needs her, not just the body of Christ. There are answers that she has taken the time, which a lot of people don't want to do, and paid the price and the sacrifice like people in scripture. And it's time for the world and the world is ready to hear that information. Oh, she's real. Dr. Price is real. That's the appeal. We just had a whole bunch of people in church on Sunday. And the overriding comment was, well, she's just so honest. But it's just so truthful. And it's not just honesty to shock people and do whatever. She's honest about the Lord, honest about the word, honest about us sitting in the seats and herself also sitting in their seats. And and that's, that's huge. You, you don't even realize you don't hear the truth a lot until you hear it. And you're like, that's it right there. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to visit www.takingiton.com taking it on is not just about a television show. It is about getting around tables, having discussions, making connections, shaking hands, opening doors, and you might be the solution or the open door to what God has told Dr. Paula Price. And so as we continue to take it on, we want to take it on with you. Partner with us at www.takingiton.com.